In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast, where we focus on real men doing real life in real time while living in the stress bubble of life. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood the man card belongs to those protecting integrity fighting apathy pursuing god passionately leading courageously and finishing strong a man is as a man does enjoy today's episode men in the arena we We salute salute you. you that was a little bit awkward we honor, <laughs> we honor you for getting it done in the stress bubble of life. Guys, we're in this arena together. Males retreat into the anonymous crowd, but you, man, have jumped into the fray of manhood. So thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Man Card Podcast. We're pumped that you're subscribing to our podcast today. We want to call you into areas you've never been before. We want to call you out of everything hindering you from becoming the best version of the man that you've been called to be. We want to call you up to higher levels of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with my producer, the diligent Dale Culver. I'm running out of descriptive words for you, man. You can call me know. Dilly for short. Dilly bar. That Dilly. just makes you hungry. You don't need any more food. Mm. I, I'm not, I don't get excited about it. Dilly Bar was a Dairy Queen joke. Do they have Dairy Queen in North Carolina, Mike? Oh, yeah, man. They got Dairy Queens. I'll yeah. say Dilly Bar. So Dilly, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a Blizzard kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Butterfinger. So Diligent, Dilly Bar, Dale Culver. That's right. I don't know, man. How are you doing, uh, my man? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, being, uh, I'm swinging and getting her done. Mm-hmm. All right. You know how I'm doing. So you just throw that out there just to like. I don't talk. think you're doing great. I think you've had a, like a rough month. Yeah, but I think you're coming out of it. That's what I think you're doing. There's some sunshine, even though it's going into winter and it's going to rain for what is it, 300 days? Got sunshine. Yeah, it's going to be sunny soon. I didn't know I could sing like that. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Hey, I knew you could. Wow, thank you. So, yeah, I'm not. I sing. It's just not pretty. Hey, man, I'm excited about No Neil November. So again, we want to tell our guys in the arena that if you are a vet, I want to give you a free download of the 365 day field guide it's our bathroom book for men if you want a hard signed copy just send me 10 bucks and uh, we'll shoot that out to you that's the cost of transportation yes. <laughs> and publication and then also want to let you know that we have something new coming it's our man card men's weekend with the men in the arena if you want to book a weekend event for the men of your community let us know we are totally booked this year but next year we're gonna be booking people for the fall so i'm super excited about those things and i'm super excited about our guest and the man word for the day. Ooh. No, hold on. I want to guess it. <laughs> You're not. I'm, I want to guess no it way. because we okay. always we got our guest right. on. So Go Mike ahead. Yarbrough, but based on mm-hmm. him, I want to guess what it is. All right. Because you always pick a word based on our guest. Yes. And I, me and Mike <clears throat> go back so far, I would definitely have a really good word for him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my word. I'm going to guess this word. Mustache. <laughs> no, no. Shut up, dude. <laughs> So Mike is rocking a powerful mustache that overpowers his rocking beard. So if you can, we should get a picture of Mike and put it on, uh, put it on uh, our page so that people can see him. That's anyway, a great idea. I never thought of oh, that. Yeah, not well, a picture I, of me right now, though. A different picture. Not not from the uh, the blue background and whatever else. Let's pull I need that, a cool elk or something. Yeah, let's put that one on your uh, 
on your uh, website where you're kind of looking away okay. from the camera, that's a great pick. Ooh. So, all right. Yeah, and I love your Wolf and Iron shirts, man. Those are I want to buy one. Anyway, so what's so I'm going to say the man word of today is iron. Am I right? <laughs> no. Oh, that would have been such a good one too. I know, it'd be uh, perfect. He, uh, he picked yeah. Man of Steel. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, but this I think this would work. Uh, the word is valiant. Valiant? Yeah. Because because these things... are you just trying to find every derivative uh, derivative of courage you can find for the man words. Well, you know, the first synonym of that is courageous. What is a synonym? Synonym. Is that you your favorite it, spice? Yeah, you put it on like... It's um, a man card podcast, not a spicy... put it on your um, your goodies. So <laughs> Somebody's dreaming of Starbucks. <laughs> I don't know what he's dreaming of, but I just well. got real awkward. I'm not going to put... Cinnamon rolls. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Cinnamon on my goodies? No, thank you. Golly, I can't believe you... I don't goodies, know, dude. My goodies. Okay. Yarbrough's never going to come on. Uh, our podcast again. So Jim's anyway. drinking a pumpkin spice latte. Right I am now, not either. It's an americano <laughs> with a little bit of cream. Go ahead. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's also gutsy, noble, bold, and I like this word chivalrous. Chivalrous. Okay, yeah. good. So, so why'd you pick it? Well, I just thought that this is something that uh, men need to be more of, like getting up, moving, and the chivalrous part of that as well. Um, you know, you're opening the door. We talked about at our uh, banquet about walking on the. Outside of the yeah. sidewalk and not yeah. the inside, open yeah. the door for her, you know, those sort of things. Did you say gutsy was a descriptive word, a synonym? Mm-hmm. It's gutsy as well. Courageous, well, gutsy, noble, bold, you know. Well, here's what I'm things. learning about the word gutsy, man. I love that word, by the way. But I am Valiant. learning that to be a friend, you have to be gutsy because it is so easy to let your friends settle into where they're at. I mean, yesterday I called you out. Yeah. I rebuked you and you said thank you. Yeah. But I mean, that takes guts to like, rebuke a friend because you're kind of getting you're le- losing points with that guy you're losing equity and you got to build it back in and so but but for that guy to go to the next level to be the best version of himself he needs guys in his life that are gutsy enough to say hey bro what you did what you said what you thought how you looked what you know these things need to change because you need to go to the next level you know it's really lame too is when you have the guts to call someone out and they make excuses for what they are doing yeah and it's so then eventually the coach is going to stop yelling in the face yeah. of that kid. <laughs> well, I had a coach in high school told me, don't get nervous, Jim, if I chew you out and yell at you. But when I stop, there's a problem. There's a problem. You're going to be on the bench. So, hey, man, we are excited today. I got a, a new friend of mine, Mike Yarborough here. Now, Mike, you go just go by Yarborough, I heard. Not not even by times, Mike. yeah. Well, and, there's so many Mikes and Michaels, so when you get on a conference call or something like that, everybody's a Mike or everybody's a Michael, so <laughs> somehow it always just ends up becoming last names. Can so you some, say, either Yarbrough or Yarbs or Yarbalicious or some kind oh, of version Yarbalicious. of my last name. Yarbalicious. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing that out there today. Yeah. So so how, so <laughs> it's not Yarbrow, it's Yarborough. Yarbrough. Okay, it yeah, just it's spelled like Yarbro. Yarbrough. That okay. is Yarbrough, that's, that's correct. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I, not I'm, like Yarb. Well, here in here in North Carolina, it's Yarborough, you know, which is oh, uh, not, okay. I don't even know how to spell Borough, but that's that's how they say it. <laughs> There's and an I'm A like, in no, there. It's just, it's just Yarborough. That's how so we do it. So it's kind of like Marlborough, like the cigar. It's like Mar only well, no, Yarborough. That's, that's Marlborough, right? Oh gosh, so I'm this just, is just gonna... Yarborough. Like a you think about like a pirate gangster. It's like Yarborough. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Oh, I got it. Yarborough. Yeah. Yarborough. Oh, I like. Okay, sorry about that, Mike. Man, I'm not bad. So, so Mike uh, is an entrepreneur, but I got connected to him through listening to his podcast called Wolf and Iron, and I actually uh, went and read the book, which he didn't write. It was written, I think, in the '90s, maybe. Yeah. Uh, a great, yeah. great kind of a post-apocalyptic story that takes place in the Wyoming area. Um, a lot of our guys are in Buffalo, Wyoming, and and a lot of the book takes place up in Buffalo. So I was really intrigued by that. And uh, anyway, that book kind of inspired uh, Mike and and some things there. And he might share that with you later. He's got thirty five thousand followers on Facebook, and he's only been doing this since two thousand fifteen. So he's thirty nine years old. He's from North Carolina, Charlotte. That is uh, his occupation. Is he's a ring maker? He's a blogger. He's a podcaster. So I'm just going to call him an entrepreneur, which is another word I don't like to pronounce. He's been doing that for the last five years, and he's authored a book called The Guy's Guide to Pocket Knives. And I'm going to ask you in a second, Mike, what your favorite one is, and I've got two guesses. So, um, oh, okay. So highlight of his, uh, his, his career, his accomplishments, is raising a family with two special needs sons, staying married. Oh, preach it, brother. Uh, starting a successful business. for He makes rings, and the business is called Rustic and Main. And then, of course, 
seen men heed the high call of manhood, and he's doing that through his Wolf and Iron podcast. So this guy's got a lot of coals in the fire, or he would probably say a lot of irons in the fire. So his passion in life is to help men hear the high call of manful living in their lives. So super excited about that. Married to his beautiful wife, Summer, for the last 21 years. Man, this guy got married. He's 18 years old and he got married. 18. Sounds and still, about right. Well, you were married at, what, 16 or 14? She was 14, you were 16? <laughs> she was, she, and then Mike was a few was years 18. older. She was 18. Okay, yeah, that's what her. legal. That's what the crayon paper said that she wrote her birth certificate oh on. Oh, gosh. Uh, he's got two boys, Liam, who's 15, and Aiden, who's 18, and in college at Anderson, did you say? Yep. University. Yeah, right. And so, Mike, we're going to, how are you doing, man? I'm doing really well. Man, yeah. super excited. Hey, before I get into the rapid fire round, in your okay. pocket knife book, do you identify the like most popular one that you like the most? That's a good question. Actually, I don't. I you know, I, it's sort of strange. You know, from a sentimental standpoint, I would definitely lean more towards like a buck or maybe like a K Stockman kind of uh-huh. kind of style, a slip joint. Uh, but from an everyday folder, I actually just have a little Leatherman. And it's just a a small knife that's got like a uh, it's got a little serrated edge drop point, and uh, it's just you know it's pretty basic. There you so, go. So uh, so Leatherman is an Oregon company, and there's another okay. Oregon company. Uh, Benchmade is an Oregon company, mm-hmm. and then uh, what else, Dale? This is a zero tolerance that I'm showing you right now. It is a Kershaw is the company, Gerber. and there's another. Yep. Oh, and Gerber is also an Oregon company. A lot of knives mm-hmm. made in Oregon. So where where would a Swiss Army knife fall? Would that would that have been a knife that made your book? Yeah, it's in there. It's that's more under the uh, the what MacGyver liked section. So <laughs> <laughs> a little Hades throwback there. So yeah, I mean MacGyver was a guy that made that popular for us here in the states. Yeah, and uh, and but you know the Swiss Army knife's got a got a cool kind of a story. It actually was made for Swiss officers oh, back wow. in the day, and uh, you know we we ended up. You know, in one of the battles, one of the wars, probably World War II, we began sort of bringing those things over here as we began to see like this is like the you know the knife of knives, right? Yeah. And uh, but eventually, after everything settled down, we began importing them here, and and they became popular. But MacGyver was the guy that always had one of those in his pocket, and so wow. made it really popular around here. Well, you know, it's interesting because growing up, I'm I'm 51 years old, so I'm a few years okay. older than you. But growing up, we didn't have lockback a lot of lockback knives. You know, yeah, the right. buck buck knife had that one that came out the folder that was a mm-hmm. locking knife. But yep. my favorite knife growing up, and the knife I skinned a lot of deer with, was a case knife trapper. Yeah, have you you've mm-hmm. seen that? You familiar with that knife? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really. But then I was skinning the loin off of a buck one time, and that knife folded on me and cut my finger real bad. And I thought I need to switch yep. over to a lockback because it's kind of dangerous. So, um, really and then you worry about getting like. Buck AIDS or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, well, what has Buck been doing? You know. Yeah, oh yeah, well, I just let it. Been? If you let it bleed long enough, it'll bleed it all out. Then you wrap it in duct tape and call it good. But so in that yeah. book, do you mention your favorite knife or I? I yeah, no. not not a favorite necessarily, but I do talk about. You know, my granddad had a buck knife, and so when he gave me a little case knife, little brown, probably case peanut knife or something like that. Uh, when I was about seven years old, and I, I talk about that story, but then I talk about how jealous I was of his buck knife because it's this big, you know, folder yeah. one ten, and it just has this big clunk when it finally locks in place. Oh yeah, I think it was awesome. And that's the wood and handle, actually, yeah. yeah, 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 the ebony handle, yep, the brass bolsters. Oh man, <clears> I know the awesome. one that you're talking about. So Mike, okay, we're going to start off here, and we're going to get okay. right into this, get you warmed up, and we're going to call it our we call it our rapid fire round. So are you ready for that? I'm not sure, but let's go for it. <laughs> okay, this round's going to be a fill-in-the-blank, man. It's just a, some fun little questions to get you loosened up and get our uh, crowd uh, a little bit more knowledgeable about what makes you tick, man. So here we go. All right. I'll eat anything put in front of me except blank. Oh, uh, gosh, what are those? I hate them so much I've forgotten the names. What are those little <laughs> round cabbages, the tiny round cabbages? Oh, Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, yeah, forget it. Oh man, but with mayonnaise, anything's good. Okay, yeah, that they are kind of gross. I I got you on that. So, uh, school for me was blank. Hmm. Boring. It's not a very good response, though. But it was. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, No, that works. That works. That works. So, next one, number three. If I had to give up a prized possession, it would be blank. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. If I had to give up a prized possession. Possession. Uh, what do I prize? Let me think. That's a good question. Probably not children. That's not a good answer. Um, <laughs> I have a bow that I made that I really enjoy. So it's, a, it's a, a recurve bow, uh, handmade out of um, uh, 
Brazilian walnut and uh, and and also Brazilian cherry, and then um, you know it's just really nice. So if I had to give it up, I could give it up, but it, it needed to be for a good cause. Wow, you make so wow. That's a well. You're a ring maker, and your knives. It looks like the or the ring that you have in your hand is a or I, or somewhere I saw a wooden ring. It looked like is that a yeah. wooden ring? Yeah, that's what we do. Yep, that's impressive. So we do uh, we do rings out of. Um, out of historic woods, a lot of times, or things that have some kind of some kind of symbolism to them. So we have woods from World War One, World War Two. We actually have some rings that have cloth from a World War One field uniform oh. um, in the rings. So we do all kinds of cool stuff, and we just put those things together as like a story, and people really resonate with those things. We actually have rings made out of elk antlers as well, and so yeah, man, we do we do all kinds of cool stuff like that. That is super cool, and it's rustic in Maine. What's your website? Yeah, rusticandmain.com, like Main Street. That's awesome. Yep. I, I, my brother got married a couple years ago, and and uh, in his ring, sh- his his wife put her a buck her dad had shot and put some the antler in the ring, uh, very significant. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah, ring, we have so. people. Yeah, we have people asking for that quite a bit. Yeah. Oh man, well I'm gonna keep you in mind, man. That's that's super cool. I'm ordering right now. Online. Are you ordering right yeah. now? I'm a size ten and a half. Okay. If I had to give up a price, but if I uh oh wait, here we go. If the house this is a similar question. Are you on the website right now? Yeah, I am. Oh gosh. If my house were on fire and my family safe outside, the one thing I'd run back into the fire to save is Wait, wait, does family include dogs? It does not include cats, but it does include dogs. Okay, so dogs are outside. That's good. We don't have any cats, so I don't have to worry about that. One thing I'd run back inside to get would be, oh, gosh, uh, it probably would be one of my rifles. I've got one that's kind of hard to replace. It's an 1895 Chilean Mauser, Ooh. so that would be a challenge to, to probably replace that guy. Plus, it was a gift from a friend. But, you know, I bet when I was in there grabbing it, I could grab a few other things, too. Yep, so totally. That's where I'd go. <laughs> well, you got to love the Mauser action, man. I mean, mm-hmm. that people badmouth it now, but back in the day, that was the best thing going. So yep. uh, my gun, my boys shoot pre-64 Winchester 270s, chambered in 270, and they have Mauser action. So I've killed a lot of deer. Anyway, number five, if I had blank, I'd be the happiest man in the world. Oh, if I had blank. Right now, uh, a big thing of lasagna sounds great. <laughs> this, is, this is right during lunchtime for me, so I'm just like... You know, I'm starving. Oh, man, that's... Oh. You guys were talking about Dairy Queen earlier and stuff. You don't know how bad you hurt me. And there's a big animal behind you that, you know, that's making me think of meat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought you were a vegan, man. No, no I'm, I'm, just not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a vegan. <laughs> I, I actually do... I'm actually what's called a flexitarian, which Flex. I didn't know this was the thing. I know. It's not about flexing biceps, but it's uh, it's apparently it's a thing where you, you mostly eat vegetables until you don't want to anymore. And that's kind of how it works. <laughs> So I do, I do that. Mostly, mostly eat vegetables and then occasionally meat. I've been moving to a plant-based diet in the mornings. Yeah. It's hard to be plant-based. you got 400 pounds of elk packaged in your freezer. But I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, I, I've, I've, been, I've been feeling better doing that. I feel like I'm more alert. But, uh, yeah, and then a lot of coffee. But coffee's vegetarian, so. I'm good. It is. Yeah, I'm good there. Yeah. So, hey, I'm going to move into the interview questions today, man. Okay. So, if you're ready, we're going to roll, man. And so, uh, I just want to start off by saying, hey, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. And Thanks. I know you've been mourning the loss of him. And that was about, what, three weeks ago he passed? Yeah, three, four weeks ago now. Yeah. All right. Well, I am. I just want to say publicly, I'm sorry. I have I've been praying for you uh, from when I heard that on your podcast. And so, um, I want to I want to start with a quote. And I, I quoted this off of something you wrote on a blog. I think it was a blog. It said, this is one of the reasons I started Wolf and Iron, to help men of all ages like myself to continue on the journey towards the high call of manliness. Even for those who had excellent father figures and mentors, there is still room to grow as father, as we father others and in the process father ourselves. Now, you've mentioned many times in the, in the research I, I did on your podcast and just the things you're doing, you have a phrase in all caps that you say, the high call of manliness. Yeah. So w- I love that phrase, by the way, but can you explain that to our listeners? What is that to you, and, and why did you come up with it? Yeah, well, it's actually taken from the Bible, and I, I forget, maybe Dale could look it up. There's a phrase in the Bible uh, that, that mentions uh, heeding the high call or taking up the high call. And I should know where it comes from, but I've been quoting it for so long, I just I just go with it. Uh, but the the imagery there is that there is this calling on our life as men, and we feel it on our conscience. And the guys usually get it right about like maybe the mid-20s. Well, I don't know now. Maybe it's early 30s, mid-30s. I'm not sure when guys hear it. But they feel this uh, 
this call in their life that they should be doing and should be about more than whatever the status quo happens to be. And the, and that, that's that they look at the world and they go, there ought to be more to life than this. Right. Yeah. And they know they don't want to continue participating in the status quo. And that high call for me and what I think it really ultimately is going to be for any man that's pursuing what it means to be a man is going to start with uh, a high call towards the image that God has for us. Like, you know, what kind of men are we supposed to mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of, you know, how he's who are we created by? What are we created for? Those kinds of things. Um, but then also the high call in terms of leadership and uh, everything, finances, health, strength, um, being a husband, being a father, you know, pretty much any area of life that you can think of where a man needs to be a man. And there's no shortage of places in the world where we need men. So that's kind of the high call is it's just this this notion that there's, there ought to be more and you should be pursuing more instead of kind of holding back and pursuing less. And a lot of times guys will will say that uh, they'll, they'll sort of stick too long in this area of self-fulfillment and self-gain and self-pleasure and self-reward. And the high call is really the opposite of that in so many ways. It says that you're going to find your ultimate pleasure and your ultimate fulfillment uh, and purpose in life. When you begin thinking outside of yourself and you begin to see the world, you know, on the, on the bigger stage than, than just yourself. Oh man, I love that. So do you think that the high call of manhood has come under attack? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think we could say it's come under attack both purposeful, purposefully, uh, you know, a direct attack from certain groups, certain organizations, but I think also just as part of just the, the times, just how we've transitioned into just where we are today. I mean, you and I are sitting here, we're not having a conversation you know, trudging through the woods or whatever, you know, we're, we're over the internet, you know, sitting comfy in our, in our homes or in our offices that have been built by probably somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we've, we've come a long way in society and we've, we've, as men, we've, the generations of men have done a lot to get us to this point, but it's also allowed for a lot of softness to kind of come in, in there as well. And I, but I definitely think that it's under attack both, you know, like I said, both purposefully and also just kind of naturally organically, just as part of the times. Well, you know, my friend Stu Weber <clears throat> was a huge uh, writer in the uh, Promise Keepers era in the 90s, and yeah. he has numerous times said this, we live in the era of the soft male. Mm. So you mentioned softness. Can you uh, tell us what that looks like from your experience? Yeah, so, you know, it, it, a lot of times it's going to be, it's going to start with an emotional softness and, and just basically a lack of resilience and toughness. So, uh, that that comes from a, a standpoint of not wanting to pursue excellence because there may be failure and because there hasn't been enough trial and failure in a person's life to really know how to stand up to failure. People, you know, uh, shirk away from they shy away from that res- from responsibilities. They shy away from commitments. And uh, and then also there's just a general softness. Um, I experience it. I think we all experience it is just in terms of our health and our strength, uh, our mental uh, capacity, you know, the 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 desire for short, small pieces of information rather than, you know, serious, in-depth, meaty, you know, discussions and topics and, and really digging in and, and understanding, you know, why do we believe what we believe? What are we reading? What are we taking in? That kind of stuff. So it's just an overall desire for ease and softness just across the board and humanity, especially in the Western world, uh, but certainly, uh, and most disappointingly, I think, with men. So you said... You, you alluded to something. I'm going to call it soft conversationally. Mm-hmm. So do you think that social media has affected that, that, that our conversations on social media are through text threads, you know, through threads that mm-hmm. really don't see the emotion of the person? They're just kind of one-sided. Uh, is that what you're talking about? What do you mean by when you're talking about soft conversationally? Well, that's part of it. I mean, there's, there is definitely an, an emotional uh, stunting that's happened in the last – probably two generations and then definitely going to be in the next couple of generations, right? Because we're doing more things socially and online. We're not seeing so much body language and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, there's emojis which take place of that apparently. Oh but, gosh, don't say that word. <laughs> but I don't think that's, I don't think that's all of it. You yeah. know, you think, yeah. you think uh, 50, hundred years ago or, and before, if someone was going to read something, it had to be done from a, a standpoint of a publisher is going to publish this thing, like a, a newspaper is going to publish something, right? And they're going to choose editors that do a really good job of getting, you know, the information out to to people in, in a you know in a good way. And so they're going to be not necessarily the choicest of all writers, but they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be on you know on the top of their class or you know top yeah. of their game, whatever you want to say. 
and now we've gone from, you know, you're reading classical literature or, you know, whatever the, the popular books are and really well thought out, uh, you know, material on different topics or even listening to, um, you know, speakers from different uh, areas. Now we're, we're kind of getting to that age where everybody can have an opinion and the news, the media, actually, the news will actually take posts from Twitter, these little what is it? Forty-two characters. I don't know how many characters it is. One hundred and twenty. I don't know. However many characters. One hundred twenty or one hundred forty. Yeah. One hundred forty characters. Whatever. These little bite-sized bits of information, and they'll say, "Here's a story, and here's all people's opinions, right?" And the opinions are just these little bits of information, right? And that's what we call our our media now. That's what we call our news. And so the just the quality of information and exchange of information, in terms of writing, in terms of thought, has gone so far down so quickly that, you know, we've got generations now where they, they really have a hard time. If you've ever had to hire anybody for a job, some of the people you bring in, it's just like, it's just really sad to see them try to put together thoughts, you know, yeah. and to try to explain why they might go through a certain process to figure out a solution, whatever the case is. And it's, it's, it's just systemic, systemic because of our information age and just how easy it is. You know, it's, it's a thoughtless process to send a tweet or to send an email um, and so people don't put thought into it and it's just going to continue that the, the downgrading of conversations and of thought, unless we choose to, to bring that back up. Well, and it seems like also when a person is sending a tweet out or, uh, posting a little descriptive, uh, description of their Insta Instagram post, there's no accountability either. Yeah. So you can right. say whatever you want and lie whatever about whatever you want. And there's very little, and I think a lot of times people will throw it out there trying to get that angry thread of responses to get mm -hmm. more uh, views by others, me that little uh, famous person for like five minutes. And so it really has, and you're saying that's created a softness in our society because they, because there's no face-to-face -face interaction. Sure. I mean, you think about if you're trying to, if social media is a place where you're going to go and you're going to do debates now with people, let's say, uh, yeah, we just had election day the other day. Let's say you're, you know, you want to debate and have a discussion, exchange of ideas about, you know, these, this, um, the beliefs of one candidate versus the beliefs of another candidate. And you're trying to do that with a culture that doesn't know how to reason really. I mean, yeah. you got, you got people that are, that have been brought up with just texting. Right. Um, and that's, it's just so difficult, you know, to try to try to reason with these guys and bring them into an area of deep thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, totally. It's just, it, it's very frustrated and it's taken its toll on manhood because we have created a generation of, of males that are of adult age but haven't crossed into manhood. Yep. What is right. the what is the biggest challenge that you've seen with adult males and and helping them? Because I know that your passion and my passion are the are the are the same. What what mm -hmm. are, what is the big issue with these guys transitioning from male to man that you've seen with your followers? Well, you know, really the biggest challenge, to be honest, is that they don't have the examples almost anywhere in their life as to what it means to live as a man ought to live. Uh, I do have a lot of guys that, that will respond either on a Facebook page or Facebook group or something like that, or email. And they'll say, Hey, you know, my grandfather was a great example uh, as a man, right? Usually this is the part of the greatest generation the world war two guys. Um, sometimes they'll say my dad was, uh, was also, you know, a great example, but those are so few and far between. And most of the guys that are, that are, that really want to become better men, they look around and they go, I don't see it. I don't see it on any commercial. I don't see it on any television show. I don't see it in any of the people that are, um, you know, the, uh, the heroes of the day, the sports figures, the media, uh, the celebrities, any of those people. I don't see anybody living life as an authentic man ought to live. Right. And I think that's the biggest challenge is because you can't just say, oh, you know, Gr Uncle Joe, well, he was a great model of a man or, you know, Grandpa, you know, Doug or whatever the case is. I don't know if anybody has a grandpa named Doug that came to me. <laughs> it's the worst grandpa name ever, maybe. I don't know. But the but you get what I'm saying. They don't have those examples. And so you've got to try to give that to guys over social media, over videos, when these these things really should be imparted man-to-man -man in context of, of community, sitting down, you know, living life together and those kinds of things. So that's really the biggest challenge. And you're reframing their whole notion a lot of times of what it means – to be, uh, what, what is actually okay to be. So if you tell them, you know, a man needs to be a man, needs to have responsibilities, needs to have, uh, be a leader in his home, needs to be a protector of his family, those kinds of things. That's foreign to a lot of guys who have never seen that. 
And not only is it foreign, but it's scary. And so you're really up against a lot of challenges there. We've got, there's millions upon millions of fatherless, uh, of guys who grew up with, without a father, like, like myself. I had my grandfather, thankfully. But uh, there are just millions of us out there. And it's, it's just such a, such a problem. And so trying to get these guys to just think differently about what it means to be a man and to know that you know, they've been called, but they also are going to be equipped when the time is right to be the kind of men that they ought to be. That's so good, man. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I think there's a movement happening across this country, Mike, uh, whether it's Vince Miller with his resolute uh, organization in Minnesota, whether it's Mike Yarbrough in North Carolina or Rich, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Mickler in St. George, Utah, or myself up in uh, the Portland, Oregon area, uh, or uh, John Eldridge uh, in, the, in the Colorado Springs area. All around the country, these pockets of men are popping up. And what I've noticed, because I'm getting these guys on the podcast, they're all yeah. saying the same thing. And they all have similar stories. We had Vince Miller on a couple weeks ago, and uh, he, is, uh, he does not know who his dad is. And he was literally yeah. impacted greatly by his grandpa. And I, I was uh, doing some research on you, uh, Mike, and you wrote this. My granddaddy, Dovey, had a construction business but had previously been a teacher and a pastor. He hunted, yeah. plowed, and planted and brought me along for whatever work needed a doing. While my granddaddy was, about a, was without a doubt the greatest influence on my life. And so can you give me a contrast between your dad and your granddaddy? Yeah, and this is a contrast that that you and I may have seen in our generations. Um, you know, by the way, you said that you're just a little bit older than me. I like to think in my mind that you're way older than me. I want to <laughs> think that 51 is way off. By the way, that's, 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 oh, I'm never going to hit 51. You know, it's, it's, oh man, it is, man. It's so far away. Oh man, so far. You'll, it's just <laughs> like yeah. eons. I know. Yeah. Anyhow, but in, in our generation or in our time, we had the opportunity to 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 see some of the, I don't want to say the last great, but I want to see, say, you know, definitely to be impacted by that greatest generation of men yes. that were raised during the difficult times that, that knew what it was like to have their liberty threatened with, you know, um, uh, through the Nazis and then all the stuff with World War II, have been through many wars and have seen so much turmoil, but also just had a passion to, to selflessly give to the next generation. They, they really believed in that. And really, from that generation on, you know, anybody that was kind of, uh, my dad was born in, I think, 63. Um, and, and a lot of those guys that were born sort of in those, that age of late, late 50s, early 60s, and then on, they just, they just grew up in a different time. You know, that, that culture of peace, love, uh, you know, free sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that kind of stuff. And it became a very selfish time. Mm -hmm. And it was almost a, a rebelling against, you know, what it actually meant to be a man and, and those kind mm -hmm. of the, you know, the, the ways that, that men are supposed to be. And so the contrast for me was just that. I mean, my dad was a long haired hippie, you know, kind of drug drinking sort of guy. My grandfather was just a salt of the earth, kind of good, good man. And also, you know, an entrepreneur in, in his own way, but uh, you know, the, the, the contrast between a desire to see your responsibility to take care of the next generation um, mm. and to just pour into, you know, the, the next generation. We have a lot of this going on today where guys, you know, I'll see, uh, maybe back up a little bit. If my, if I were a little kid back in, uh, let's see, I was born in 78. So let's say the eighties and I was running around doing something stupid, whether it was at church or in a grocery store, it was nothing for another adult to come and say, Hey, you know, you go find your parents or I'm going to tell on you, or I'm going to, you know, Right. It was nothing totally. for other adults to correct because we felt that that was this sort of a sense of community there. Um, we all knew what it was like to, to raise kids or they knew what it was like to raise kids and, and uh, everybody needed help from everybody. Now it's so shut off. And, you know, I mean, you, you say something to somebody about their kid today, you're going to get a mouth. You're going to get you know an earful. Right? <laughs> and it's going to be tweeted. <laughs> and it's going to be tweeted. Yeah, you're going to be on the news. <laughs> Facebook. Be, yeah. This guy had the gall to tell my kid he was wrong. You know, For stealing in the yeah. grocery store. Right. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. And so there's a, just a, 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 such a contrast between character, and I think that you and I, the people of our generation now, are seeing that that whatever got missed uh, a lot of times in our own fathers during that 60s and 70s kind of era, um, you know, we, we definitely need to bring that back because if we don't, that generation of, of World War II guys are, are going to be gone soon, and the, the next generation of kids are not going to have that. 
and they desperately, desperately need it because they're growing up in an age where porn's easier to get to. It's easier to get in trouble. You can start up fool's heel at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. You know, people, adults aren't even holding kids accountable anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the world is so after them. And so, you know, I, I know I kind of went off the tangent there, but that's, you know, the contrast just couldn't be greater between, between the, you know, those two generations, really. Mike, you know that in my daughter's uh, school, that uh, they cannot turn in assignments on time, and they get, I think it's six freebies, uh, a, a term where they could just turn stuff in late, and they just turn in that little... With no little, penalty? With no penalty. Oh, god! And I'm going, what are you doing? What are you teaching our kids? Yeah. Well, it's brutal, man. Hey, Mike, we're going to take uh, a short break here, hear from our sponsor, uh, the sponsor of our podcast. We'll be back in a minute. The Man Card Podcast is sponsored by The Great Hunt for God and its mission to transform lives through teams of men. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Start a team in your city today by purchasing our five-volume curriculum, appropriately called The Man Card Series, at www.thegreathuntforgod.com. You can also find it on The Great Hunt for God app under gear. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies heavily on our monthly financial champions. If this podcast has helped you to get out of the bleachers and into the arena, consider becoming a monthly financial champion and you'll receive the field guide, my bathroom book for men with 365 daily readings. To give, just click the give button on our app or website on the menu drop down. This year will be our first ever Man Card Men's Weekend. If you're interested in hosting a Man Card Men's Weekend with the men in the arena in your city, contact us for available dates. And lastly, go to Facebook and join the Men in the Arena closed group. This is an exciting forum where we'll discuss what a man is and does with men in the arena from all around the world. Thank you again for championing the cause of the great hunt for God. Okay. Hey, Mike, uh, you made a comment about your dad being raised in an era, this hippie era, where uh, they the men were rebelling against manhood in the 60s. Now, I, I would propose that that is true. I'd also propose that something else was going on. In fact, we've seen, some, we've seen uh, several events happen probably since the mid-1800s that have led to where we are today in the 60s. I, and I'm not blaming any movement or any person, but we had the feminist movement happening at the same time as your dad yeah. was growing on, as your dad was growing up, do you think that men today are confused uh, in their role as a man, or or what is a man? Are the, are guys just flat out confused and they're guessing? What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, just kind of to comment a little bit on the the '60s era and that and that rebellious time, and then I'll I'll comment on the confusion there. Um, you know. The guys back in the 60s and 70s, they didn't think that they were rebelling against manhood. They actually thought that they were pursuing a certain kind of freedom that was more liberating and more manly than what previous generations had done. Hmm. You know, and it's sort of like saying it'd be like me saying I'm going to be a lone wolf. I'm going to go out on my own and I'm just going to do my own thing. And I'm going to assume that that's more manly than having structure in my life, than than having control over my, um, you know, in my freedom, I'm going to have some control over my uh, my decisions, right? And so, instead of using their freedom to to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, we're more of a free society in the '60s and '70s, and we're going to use that freedom to give some purposeful thought to how we live our lives, they just said, no, we're going to use our freedom to just live life to the fullest and just live it out, right? And that is not manly. That is not how a man lives. And so guys are growing up now in that sort of confused state because we do have, you know, we got feminism that's been started, that's been going on for a while. And not just men are confused, women are confused, everybody's confused. And, you know, I like to say sometimes that, you know, feminism really isn't, isn't what it is. You know, we, we talk a lot about feminism and we want to blame the feminazis out there and that kind of stuff. But we got to understand feminism isn't helping anybody. The women aren't being, aren't growing up to be better women. Right. And and men, men aren't being taught how to be uh, better females in a sense. Nobody's being taught how to be better. Anything It's just mass confusion and it's just whatever you want to be. But that doesn't give any structure to anybody's life because, you know, as men, we're made to want to put the world in order. That's what we want to do. We come into a situation where things are out of whack and we say, how can I fix this? And then we say, I'm not sure if I can fix it. Let me turn and see if I can find another man who has experience in this area, who can fix it, right? So we want to put the world in order. And we've got a culture that has been saying now for the last several decades that the world is not made to be in order, that the world is what you make of it, mm. and order is, you know, it's anti-order. And that's, that goes against everything 
that we believe is a man. We want to, we want to have freedom. We want to have liberty. I, I, I love it when men are in touch with, you know, their more feminine side of, of themselves and they can relate to, you know, emotions better. And they have, you know, uh, they have a sensitivity side and a nurturing side. I think those things are great. We don't want guys to go, you know, to just be these John Wayne kind of cowboy yeah. sort of ways. But at the same time, men need to know that there is a certain way to be as a man. That's the best way to be for you based just if you want to just say on biology, if nothing else. And that's not being that's not being taught, certainly not being promoted. So when you say there is a certain way to be as a man, I'm assuming you're talking about the, the high call of manhood. Is that true? Yeah, that's it. But even that's sort of, you know, that's sort of like that, that, you know, when people see the high call, they're like, okay, I can resonate with that. Something about that catches my attention. The same with Wolf and Iron. When I first heard the words Wolf and Iron, I was like, I don't know what that's referring to, but I just like the term, right? Yeah. I just like the words. And uh, so the high call kind of catches our attention, but we got to dig in. We got to say, well, what, is, what does it actually mean to be a man? How am I supposed to be living? And it means, especially for a lot of guys today, this is going to be the challenge. It means going to the places and doing the things that are difficult and that maybe you've been told all your life that you're not supposed to do, you know, oh. that, that you actually that you actually should be the leader of your home. It's not supposed to be this this egalitarian group where everybody just, you know, has equal say and equal rights and everybody's, you know, yeah, equality in terms of worth and value. But, you know, I'm different than my wife. And the more that I recognize that I have certain masculine differences, the more I recognize that she has these wonderful feminine qualities as well. And as the leader of my home, I can say, how can I best utilize these things, the, the masculine and the feminine areas uh, that we're both gifted in? How can I use these things to help lead our family and, and have more success in our life, you know, in every every area? Well, and, and you're so, hitting the nail yeah. on the head, man, because the buck has to stop somewhere. In every other aspect of life, there is an ultimate authority and an ultimate responsibility. And yep. for and, and let's be honest, we are made to protect. We're made mm -hmm. to protect. They are made to nurture. I mean, we talk about walking down the street, and I'm always going to be on the street side to protect my wife just in case. Yep. Now, 99.999% of the time, that's not an issue. But mm -hmm. it's making a statement to her that I am your protector. And and yeah. I think guys are really, really confused. We're up in the Portland, Oregon area, and I'm talking about oh. they're really confused. <laughs> I mean, really confused. And so, you know, we're trying to so we're trying to answer this question, Mike. And and you said it, and I think I've heard you say this on your podcast. What is a man? Mm. So what would you what what would you say? What do you say to your sons? What do you say on the Wolf and Iron podcast? What would you say when a man says to you, Mike, tell me, what is a man? What would you say to him? Yeah. Well, this is really broad. And this is why, <laughs> you know, otherwise I just have one podcast episode and I'd be done with it. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, and, and same for you guys, right? This yeah. is this is really broad and, and it's gonna be it's gonna look like different not different things, but it's gonna have different characteristics and different you know, seasons of life, different areas in life, you know, you want to say that a man is strong and, and, but he also has to be caring and nurturing and all these kind of things. Right. So, but I think one of the things that, that a man has to start with is he has to have a confidence in him, in his own masculinity. I think it's one of the key things and you have to start there. I think you have to say that, you know, once you, once you come as a man and you realize that you are built and made for a purpose and that your body and your mind will all rally to this purpose once you once you get on board with it, maybe scary at first, but once you once you understand that masculinity itself is a good thing and is necessary both in your family and as a leader and in society, and you become comfortable as just the fact that you're a man and that you're made differently than women, that's a good starting point for a man. And he has confidence that he, he doesn't have everything right. That's that's understood. None of us do, but it, we at least have some confidence in our in our own masculinity. So I think that's a big part. That's a starting point. And then, of course, I think taking a responsibility, owning up, um, you know, you could basically take any of the the, the characters, the virtues, uh, everything from frugality to, uh, you know, what do we what was the valiant to be valiant, valiant you know, courageous, strong. Uh, but you can also compassion and loving and patient, all these any kind of um, character traits, any kind of virtues. You can package those up and you can apply them to men that would make great men and you can package them up and apply them to women that would make great women. But a man is going to do it with a certain kind of poise that is masculine and you know it when you see it. And a woman is going to do it with a certain kind of poise that's feminine and you're going to know it when you see it. And a man's going to be drawn to that feminine and that, that woman is going to be drawn to the man. Man, I love what you said here, uh, Mike, that a man has confidence in his own 
masculinity. And, and, uh, and, and I, I would say, and I, you continued, so I'm going to try to wrap this up a little bit as far as what you said. Sure. So he has confidence in his own masculinity. Then you went on to say that he's built for a purpose. He's made for a purpose. So would you say that a man who acknowledges he's made for a purpose as a man, is that masculinity to you or is it something even deeper than that? Yeah, that's, that's part of it. Um, you know, I think yeah, re- making that recognition is, is certainly part of it. It's a difficult thing to, to describe what masculinity is, yeah, right? It is. Um, it's sort of like, okay, I, I got an example for you here. It's the, the, the oddest example that you've probably ever had on your podcast, but I'm going to throw it out here anyhow. <laughs> uh, it's called, it's, it's all about chicken sexing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. No. Okay. All right. Yeah. Not, not chicken sexting where like. No. We're, sexing. Yeah. No, yeah, not not chicken sexting where like chickens find random phones and they start sending nude <laughs> pictures to each other. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. But chicken sexting. <laughs> Dale snorted. So they, so when you go to uh, so like in the poultry industry, the female is is where it's at. She's got the most you know meat on her thighs. She lays the eggs. They they want the females right in the poultry industry. Yeah. And if they had to raise both males and females alongside each other, just be a, a ridiculous expense. Well, when when the the the, the chickens are chicks, right? You can't actually tell a female from a male. And the only way that you can tell is to let them grow up a little bit. And one begins to look like a male and one other one begins, you know, look like a female. But by that point, you've invested so much money. It's just what's the point, right? And then you got disposal and all this other kind of stuff. Get rid of them. But they have these people that are called chicken sexers. And the way chicken sexers work is they stand in a big, like in front of a gigantic box of these little baby chicks. And they go and they just pick them up and they go, here's a male. And they go over in this side and here's a female and they go over this side. And you can't tell the difference by looking at them. And there's no way, you know, to like a, a device to, to, to determine the difference. And so they just they just do it you know, super quick. Right. And their 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 accuracy rate between determining what's a male chicken and what's a female chicken is so ridiculously high. And the only way that you can become a chicken sexer is if is if you you learn how to do it with these guys. So you so let's say, Jim, you want to become a chicken sexer yourself and you you would stand there in the front of that box next to somebody who already knows how to do it, mm-hmm. and you'd pick up two chickens or two baby chicks, and you'd say, okay, is this a male? And he would go, no, it's a female. And you'd put in the female bin. Is this a female? No, it's a male, right? And you would do this until you it became sort of ingrained in you that it just is. You know, they're, they're not looking at a thing. It's just almost, I don't know if it's a, an energy that comes off of them or whatever, but it's something more to it than simply – uh, than simply a biology type yeah. of thing that we can see and we can observe so quickly. And it's the same thing as with masculinity. You know, if you listen to any of the old, uh, many of the old um, army leaders back in the day, Theodore Roosevelt, I even heard that, um, you know, I think uh, Lincoln, a lot of these guys had really kind of higher pitched voices than what, what Hollywood would yeah. give them or what we would, you know, say is masculine today, right? Yeah. But you would know these guys to be men. And it would be it would, not just because of their beards or whatever or their accomplishments. You would just know it because being in their presence, you can tell. And so we have, you know, we, we got to get back to understanding that there is a certain thing that masculinity is and is different than femininity. Even though it's difficult to tell, we can't always put our fingers on it. We can't always define it as well as we'd like to. But it's obvious and it's there. Well, and we believe that a man is as a man does. So, so you can have a high-pitched voice. You could be a hipster living up in Portland. You can be yep. a re- long-bearded redneck living in Monroe, Louisiana. You can be a, <laughs> a snobby businessman in, in the New England states. You can be a, a preppy businessman in Southern California. But a man is what a man does, right? And so, yep. so unlike the chicken sexing, there are some things that men do that are different than males. What are some of the things yep. that you would say a man does to be a man? Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, for one thing, he takes ownership of the things that are his and he cares for them and he provides for them and he protects them. And so that's his family, first and foremost. Uh, that is uh, the covenant that he has with his wife as well. And he, he respects and honors and cherishes that relationship. Um, he cares. He sets the example. I think it's a big part of it. You know, that's the, that's the thing. You, you go into a room of, you know, put people in a room. They're going to they're going to look to men to set the example. This is not a patriarchal society thing. Yeah. This is whatever. This is just natural. You're going to look to men and typically you're going to look to the oldest man there to be the wisest and to have, you know, to set the example. Mm-hmm. And so men, you know, a man sets the example and he realizes that he's in that position where people are watching and they want to know, how do I live my life? And they're going to, mm. they're going to look to him. That is so true, man. They are looking and they are asking this question. How do I live my life? 
And is there a man in the room who can show me? We had Vince Miller on our podcast a couple weeks ago, and he said for 20 years he looked for a man in his life. And in the yeah. church, he found none that would say, I will mentor you. Why are men yep. shying away from this relationship between the protege and mentor? Why are men who should be mentoring younger men shrinking back from that responsibility? Have, have, do you have an uh, answer for that? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we definitely see that a lot in the church, right? I mean, you go yeah. to church, there's, there's, you know, let's say this 15% older men, they got, you know, a good bit of experience. And then you got, you know, the rest of it's younger men. That'd be, that'd be great, right? Because older men got a lot of time on their hands, usually, yeah. uh, especially if they're retired, and they could mentor the heck out of these younger guys, right? I think there's a couple of things. From the older people's perspective, um, there's a bit of a, uh, a nervousness about engaging with a younger generation and believing that the things that you know about being a man, being a responsible husband, leader, whatever, are still valuable to a generation that seems to have come so far in terms of technology and seems to be so out of touch with your own generational thinking, right? So I think there's some there's some fear in that that sense. The other thing is that a lot of guys come to their own understanding of what it means to be a man through trial and, and experience, mm. um, unfortunately not through mentorship. And so they know what they know, but they don't know how to explain it to somebody else. So, you know, these guys, they, uh, you know, the, the older guys in the church or wherever it happens to be in, the, in society, there are very few of those men out of the hole. You're barking. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. My bad. I'm <laughs> sorry. I should there be laying on a couch those... somewhere get resting. <laughs> There are very few of those guys who really have the the ability, the skills to say, "Hey, I I, I know how to how to give my 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 understandings of what it means to be a man uh, in a way that to, to kind of deliver those things to somebody else so that they're going to pick up on it as well." And then, of course, also, I mean, I mean, we're still we're several generations into um, to men basically just being independent. You know, as Americans, we really pride our independence so much, and we're so valued valued our independence, and now it's kind of gone. So it swung so far to the to this really the wrong way. Yeah, uh, we, we value our independence really too much, and we we need to say, yeah, I'm independent, or I have the freedom to be independent, but I also need to be giving back, and I need to be, you know, if I if I'm a young guy, I need to be trying to find those mentors and reaching out, right, reaching out to those guys. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a Ryan Mickler's podcast uh, just last night, and he's he's doing he did like a real weird forum of guys at the spartan yeah. uh, national did you read, hear that podcast uh, yeah yeah i heard i heard some of it yeah. that was really interesting to me the conversation because one of the guys talked about you know we have not had a pandemic in america since 1918 we've not mm -hmm. really had any kind of huge scale war since the 1940s unless you include vietnam but not yep. even comparable on a scale uh, and so mm -hmm. what's happened is we've become soft because we haven't had to fight through some of these things that our generations before us had to. Uh, you said our independence, we've become independent because we don't have a need like we did back in those days or the Great Depression in the 1930s. We've become mm -hmm. soft. Uh, and earlier you said uh, it's through trial and experience that a man learns how to be a man. And even mm -hmm. earlier in the podcast than that, you said it's through failure that a man becomes a man. So, or something like that, I can't remember. But so what I hear you saying, and as I piece this all together, Really, we we need to look to Granddaddy Dovey, or for me, my Grandpa Ramus, some of these guys that went mm -hmm. through depression, went through the w World War II, uh, saw what was going on with Vietnam, uh, worked through uh, some of that. The pandemic people are gone from the 1918 era, but, but worked through <laughs> some of this pain and suffering yeah. because we don't – we have not experienced this on a level where we say, I ha I need to partner with other people. And so in our independence, we've become soft. Yep, absolutely. And and here's the thing. We're independent, but we are not self-sufficient. Oh. And that's, that's the other thing, right? So, I mean, we, we it's okay to be the, in, in some ways, to be that independent farmer. I've got my piece of land. I can take care of myself because he has a certain kind of pride about himself. He's tested. He knows how yeah. to take care of himself, right? There's a, there's a confidence that comes through that. But we're not self-sufficient. You know, we're, we're, we are independent and super dependent at the same time. So it's true. a terrible place to be. So true. We're dependent on the grocery stores. We're dependent on, you know, uh, you know Starbucks. We're dependent on whatever it is. Preach it. Right? We're dependent on jobs. We're dependent on everything. So we, we have this spirit of like me, 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 me. I'm independent. I can do all by myself. And then yet we're, we've masked any kind of uh, what, what we think would be self-sufficiency 
And it's really just we just rely on the world to give us everything that we need. And so we go through life not tested, not knowing the, the value of, of, you know, of difficult work and of uh, these um, the lessons that come out of out of a life of, of being challenged. You're, you're actually almost a weirdo or uh, looked at differently if you do start like trying to, I guess some would call it prepping. Um, yep. And some people would look at you like you're a strange individual when you should be doing things to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, we live in a false sense of hope that, that everything's going to be okay. And I think that we're really close to some massive crumblings, which honestly, we probably need them. We, we probably yeah. need them. But you know what? Listening to you, Mike, uh, you're saying things that are so in line with what we speak about here on the Man Card Podcast. It's encouraging, and at the same time, it's alarming that we are at a very scary point in our country where we need a massive turnaround now, and we need to really the great the Man Card Podcast. We're an intergenerational movement, so we believe firmly in reaching up to the generation above us to find wisdom and experience and and to understand failure. But we also need to reach down to the the generation below us to mentor them to to experience their raw ignorant passion. You know, to keep that <laughs> eye of the tiger alive sure. in us. But yeah. man, these these uh, older guys, they're dying, man. I tried to get a hold of a Sergeant Malarkey from Band of Brothers. He actually lives in yeah. Astoria, Oregon, and then now at Salem. And I just found out he just passed away a couple years ago. You know, these guys yeah. are dying off. And so there is no time like now for the men in the arena to go and subscribe to Wolf and Iron, to find some of these great podcasts out there. You know, you saw Vince Miller, you heard Vince Miller and some of these guys. I think the more the merrier, man, because uh, guys like us are sprouting up all over this country because there's a massive change that needs to happen, and uh, nobody's speaking to it in the media. In fact, they're doing just the opposite. Their their agenda seems to be, and I don't like talking about media and agenda, but their agenda seems to be to neuter our society yep. and make everything on the same playing field. That just isn't reality. So, yep. Well, they, they, they understand. I mean, yeah, and I understand. I, I don't want to go to, too far down that road, but the media, you got to understand the media, whether they, what do you, what do you, uh, whether you consider it an actual, um, you know, like some kind of conspiracy, strategy. you know, the media is all you know, strategy or not, you know, the media understands one thing and that is if it's in, if it's crazy, if it's not how most people think about something, we can post that out there and we're going to get a lot of a lot of conversation happening on it right yeah. and so you know the media is you know, a lot of times the things that come through the media are meant to be the strange the bizarre the things that don't sit well with the vast mm. majority of people because it, it is you know those are the things that are going to get all the likes and the posts and the comments and the sharing and stuff like that and so that's that's even changed right we're not about getting information out to people now we're really about just getting those numbers yeah. those numbers yeah. up yeah that's so true, man. Hey, Mike, I don't know if you believe it, but we're already at the end of our time, man. So, <clears throat> man, thanks so much for taking the time to share your wisdom and experience uh, all the way from North Carolina at lunchtime. Suffering through it, baby. <laughs> suffering through it. Suffering for Jesus. Say, hey, uh, guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast, uh, helping us transform the lives of men and those they love is as easy as one, two, three. Listen to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Write a positive review. And uh, keep giving us your input. If there are any topics or guys you'd like us to uh, – interview please let us know uh, you can get a hold of us through the contact us icon on our webpage or our free app the great hunt for god uh, thanks again for listening to the man card podcast and guys hey make sure you sign up for our men in the arena closed facebook uh, group we just started this thing super excited about it we're going to use it as a forum to discuss what a man is and does we'll also use it to train you guys through monthly live interactions and guys remember until next time get in the arena get dirty get bloody Grind it out and be a man. This is Dale Culver and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of a man, then purchase your own copy of the Field Guide, our bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your copy for you and your friends on our website at thegreathuntforgod.com. You will also find our five-book man card series. Grab several copies, recruit some friends, and champion the cause for men today. We are a donor-supported, nonprofit organization with the mission to transform the lives of men and those they love. 
If today's podcast has inspired you, consider being a financial champion by going to The Great Hunt for God and click the Give link in the menu drop-down. Also, download The Great Hunt for God app today. It is available in all the app stores for all devices. It has videos, podcasts, our store, and many other links to the world of The Great Hunt for God. Thank you for listening, and good hunting. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.